What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program Garrett Fear and Sean Noriega, two of Two White Lights' favorite guests on the program with Steve DeNovi, and we talked about our Two White Lights topic of the week, what factors will make USAPL lifters go to the USPA, and this was an extremely fun episode to record I don't really have to even have to sell it for you guys or really explain it. That was the topic, and it sells itself because you got Garrett Fear, Sean Noriega, and Steve Denovi talking about this, and they gave incredible insight on everything. We got to the two white lights comments. We got into other discussions, uh, kind of getting into some mainstream talk about powerlifting. We talked about Garrett Fear's meat that he is making for lifters who are snubbed from Raw Nationals. We talked a lot about the Raw Nationals dilemma. That's really why this topic exists, is because 2021 Raw Nationals hasn't been planned according to a lot of lifters' liking. So this was a terrific episode, a super intelligent conversation also, which is kind of a surprise when Garrett Fear is involved in anything. People just assume shit talk, shit talk, shit talk. A lot of crazy analogies. He does that this episode, don't get me wrong. But really, he provides excellent insight the entire time. And you know Steve and Sean are always going to do that. So seriously, one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever recorded. Oh yeah, and they gave their lifter rating. So we did it with Chance Mitchell. We did it with Garrett Fear and Sean Noriega as well. That was a lot of fun. We got a lot of opinions from each other. Because, interesting episode, Steve coaches Sean, Sean coaches Garrett, and I'm kind of alone, get to really judge all three of them. So, lifter ratings, they gave them, and that was a lot of fun. But, before we get into that, gotta talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merchandise. And, if you want to have a sneak peek of that merchandise, go to Leflar Bros on their Instagram page and check out the design and look at the Leflar Bros family grow a lot more lifters are getting in left bar left bros gear and it's easy to see why it looks amazing it looks fantastic you're gonna look good while you lift i love wearing left bros while i lift and really just on a public because it's fashionable it looks fantastic and they are a powerlifting company that is trying to support the powerlifting community what more can you love so get on left bros and get yourself some Two White Lights merchandise on that website too because that's the only place you can get Two White Lights merchandise. Shirts, dad hats, it's all going to be on leftlarbros.com. We got the Fight Night tee, the original tee, the dad hat, and also you can get all the Leftlar Bros apparel. They just released the cotton candy, new designs. Use that promo code 2WL15 and get 15% off of your order. 2WL15 for... Left Floor Bros Apparel, and Two White Lights Apparel as well. Remember, 2WL15. Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some supplements. More importantly, get yourself some informed choice supplements. That check mark on the label of protein powders, pre-workouts, creatine, branched-hand amino acids. That little label is going to save you when it comes to drug testing. Don't want to break a drug test? Informed choice ensures that you don't have any tainted pre-workout. So Rivalist.net can hook you up on that. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your informed choice supplements. Also, visit Lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10, get 10% off of Stoic gear. I only wear Stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. They are my favorite gear company. I love the singlets and wrist wraps. 
the knee sleeves, they got the white label, the black label, and the olive grab. They're starting to create more colors. I love it. Use promo code ANGELA10 to save yourself some money. And also make sure to visit Notorious Lift. Get on that newsletter. Get on their Instagram page because they have drops that aren't going to be available on the website at all times. No slip drip is a real thing. Your deadlift is going to be great with these slippers on and you are going to look good deadlifting as well because of all the designs. So many colors, so many options. You can fit all of your gym attire and of course when you're on the platform. But you got to get on those drops. They release a lot of them. They got the gold standard. Uh, I think that's the name they're going with. The gold standard drop coming soon and those look amazing. You don't want to miss out on that. So make sure you are saving the dates, getting on Notorious Lift, following them, and checking it out. And if you don't like the, and if you're not quick enough to get the gold, don't worry. They're gonna release something you're gonna love anyways. So remember, slippers. Make sure you get on that. Also, before we start the show, remember to follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Actually, it's not even iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts. I was told that last week. I feel like an idiot. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us both on there. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Tell me why you love Two White Lights. Download the episode. And now, here it is. Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me probably two of two White Light's favorite sons, Sean Noriega and Garrett Fear, and I am joined by my co-host Steve Denovi. We got a great foursome here, gentlemen. I agree. I agree. We got two really handsome men, and then we have uh, Sean and Angelo. So, <laughs> yeah, Sean, you shaved, man. You, I know. You know, I have I, to go. I don't like it. Now. I don't like the look. You got a haircut too. No haircut yet. Although I am getting one later in the week. You know how it goes. You got to go to Valentine. You know, visit your girl for Valentine's Day. You have to be clean shaven. Yesterday I had a mustache. I sent Garrett a picture of that. Angelo too. <sighs> Oh, so, so nice. So I hot. saved it. <laughs> I, I, that was hot. I mean, I was a little sweaty after looking at that picture, man. <laughs> and, and me and Garrett are guys who respect mustaches. We are must, mustache enthusiasts, and you impressed the both of us with that. So I'm glad I saved it because I didn't know you were shaving it off. I was a little disappointed. but After seeing how fun. thick... Sorry. After seeing how thick that mustache was, dude, I'm really curious about your butt hair. That was my second thought. That was, that was, the first thought was, what a beautiful mustache. And then the second thought was butt hair. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we got two of like the biggest heat magnets in powerlifting with Nori and Garrett. So what are you, what are you two burning on right now? Huh? Sean? Um, I mean, Hey man, I wanted to get on here and, and talk about what's going on in the USAPL and, and the USPA. I know you guys were talking about some stuff with the USPA prior to me getting on this call. So I just want to, I just want to give my opinion on this because I feel like a lot of higher level lifters in the USAPL, of course, with the exception of Johnny are kind of, you know, they'll, they'll complain, but they're not actually going to do anything when it comes to, you know, actually 
making a stance in terms of leaving or, you know, competing in the USPA and trying it out. So I just wanted to come on here and, and talk about what my thoughts are there. You know, Garrett's trying to capitalize on this situation right now. It's not about uh, capitalizing, actually. And I've gotten a lot of messages about that, about uh, oh, somebody said something basically that I was like using it as a way to put money in my pocket. Well, let me, let me tell you guys this. Well, what I will say is I don't think capitalize necessarily means or connotes, you know, you doing it for money. It's more so that it's an opportune time for you to provide what it is that you want to provide. I don't think that you're doing it for the money at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree. It is an opportunity for me to pr- provide, but also, man, this is the same thing that I've been doing for half a decade in this sport. Dude. It is literally trying to bring the best of the best and trying to get everybody to do this, to do the same thing and agree to the same terms. And uh, the biggest hindrance in that has been the divide between Uh, I don't want to say non-tested and tested because that's completely different. It's been the divide between the USPA and the USAPL. Uh, If you want to look at the non-tested division as a whole and the non-tested records as a whole, yeah, dude, a lot of it fucking sucks, dude. The untested division is weird, man. We have people who have such cognitive dissonance from the standard. It it doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And back to the main point, Um, I've been telling people for years that, you know, eventually people are going to get fed up with the constant politics that the lifters have to suffer because of in the USAPL. Now, every federation, every sports organization, every business has politics in it, especially when there are this many consumers for one very, very specific product. There's a lot of politics involved. And we all know that The, the difference is. The politics in your guys' federation affect you guys all the way down to a local level at times. And we don't really see that in the USPA. Um, I know Steve had talked about, it was before the show started, we, the show started, we had talked about some of the political issues that um, surfaced inside the USPA with the meat directors. But again, I can't really think of a time where the politics of the USPA had an outright negative effect or caused an uproar amongst the majority of the lifters at the national level. Steve, do you want to bring us up to speed, though, on what you were talking about? Because there's some interesting points yeah. there that I don't think a lot of lifters know. Yeah, as well as I'll kind of counter a couple of things that kind of Garrett said there. So I think I brought up to Garrett, and that I don't think are very few people know, because um, it's just kind of on the down low, is in the USPA, meat directors are very territorial. Like, there are meat directors that handle territories, and they will handle all the meats in that territory, and there's no way anyone can enter and do anything about it. Um, these meat directors tend to do this for a living. Um, some of them host good meats and there's some really great ones there. I don't want to put down all of them, but there's some really bad ones as well. that just spurn out meats weekend after weekend, just trying to make money on this. And I mean, some things that like people know about that they might not know is the reason for why these meats didn't happen is like the showdown. The showdown was supposed to be a USPA meet. The territorial meat director in New York, whatever it was basically said, Hey, um, I'm going to co-direct this. If you want the sanction, I'm going to get half the profits or else you can't host this meet. And so then they said, screw you. I'm going to WRPF. I don't know if that's necessarily (laughs) the entire actuality of what the situation was. Um, I do know there were issues with co-directing. I just want to say, I don't necessarily know that that's true. Just in case the USPA decides to get on my ass for the social media policy. Anyway, continue Steve. So, I, I might be saying it wrong, but that believe that's what he said 
on the King of the List podcast, if I got that right. So when is Ryan right about anything? I'm just kidding. Continue. <laughs> but even with that, there's other examples too. I know hybrid in Florida had issues. Um, now the current was a different issue. That wasn't mainly that's not because of territorial thing. That's because Gracie had some situations and bears and cages, and that was just a whole other situation. But dumb and that email, dumb person. Yeah, yeah dumb, yeah. dumb human. But like, we're gonna get into a lot of things here about like USAPL or if there's no leave. I mean, this is where I'm going to debate the USAPL. Yes, it has its issues. From what I know about this territorial issue and profiting with meat directors in the USPA, I think that is way bigger of an issue than anything USAPL is doing. It's just that lifters don't know about it. It's not in the limelight. And, you know, I mean, it kind of doesn't affect lifters, but it's because it's all at the local level. But I think it hinders the national level from even happening. Um, I actually told Angelo this. This is just speculation. This is there's nothing behind this. I would argue a lot of those territorial meat directors maybe don't even want like a big national meet to happen because it's going to pull lifters away from their territory, go to this national meet, they don't get the money anymore. And so I think this territorial issue is basically suffocating USPA from being like the USAPL is with this this structure of local, regional, national worlds. Um, I can absolutely agree with that. Yeah, that does create a hindrance for creating that like i've said this before that seasoned path that seasoned structure uh going all the way up to the highest level of competition um where i disagree is and why i don't think that that single issue is even comparable to the amount of issues usapl has politically is because it doesn't directly affect the local level which is the overwhelming majority of all of the competitors inside the federations so give me examples though i mean as someone who competes, I mean, is more locally, I mean, I go to plenty of USAPL local meets. I don't necessarily know how, like, the current issues with nationals affects local lifters. Like, it's mainly just affecting these top 20 lifters and not getting all the best lifters in. I think actually more so we see that most of these big things we talk about are because USAPL screws up nationals with media issues, with not putting in the best lifters. The local level, I find it pretty consistent. Like, because you don't have these meet directors who have territories, you tend to get, from my perspective, you tend to see more consistently well-run meets in the USAPL versus big fluctuations that I see in USBA. Yeah, I think I think I'm kind of more on the on the side of you know Steve's here. I think that a lot of the outrage that happens every year is usually surrounding something that's going on at nationals. Like every year, I feel like there's a different thing that comes up that you know the USAPL in some way or another. Um, you know, because they make a lot of their decisions, you know, behind closed doors, and then it just kind of gets, you know, spammed out. And then we find out something that we don't necessarily agree with. And that usually gets blown up on the national level. Um, from what I've seen, I've never directed a meet. I know, Steve, you have, but um, setting up or I guess getting a, a meet directing opportunity in the USAPL seems much more free market. Um, like, I, you know, I've, I've seen plenty of newer meet directors come up lately, you know, maybe who haven't been, um, you know, in the same, you know, in a, in a different, in contrast to the USPA, where we see, like you mentioned, you know, those territorial meet directors who have the, the years of history doing the, the same meets in the same areas. I mean, I've seen meet directors come up, you know, who are fairly new and, you know, they put on a quality meet once and then, you know, people keep wanting to do me. Um, so I guess where I agree with both of you is like, you know, when it comes to, and again, I'm not a USPA lifter, so, you know, obviously there's some, um, you know, bias from being an outsider, but I definitely feel like if you were to like, you know, 
you could assign like a mood and a tone throughout the year for the USAPL. It's like local meets, you know, get to the point of this like heightened level of, you know, hype for the sake of nationals where it feels like in the USPA, it's just like big local meet, local meet, local meet, local meet, local meet. Nationals is kind of like the same level of, of hype, right? It doesn't have like this, this feel of like every year we are awaiting this event. Um, I mean, that could have something to do with, you know, the, the competition at that level, but I definitely would, I could see the, the speculation that Steve made, you know, carrying, carrying some weight there. Um, touching on what you said about, uh, USAP, sorry, USPA nationals. I absolutely agree. The lack of competition at USPA nationals is upsetting, which is funny because they've actually pay out quite a bit. I think probably even more than what the, uh, the, uh, is it raw nationals that pays out or is it Arnold Arnold? Okay. I, I think even more so than the Arnold. Um, and which is, you know, it's surprising because there's kind of a little bit off topic here, I suppose, but, uh, there's considerably less money meets right inside of the USAPL. And I was always under the impression that that money meets is, is what everybody wanted. So one thing I know I noticed that I never hear from USAPL lifters is a complaint of a lack of money meets. Um, and I, I guess the, the reason for that, it could be as simple as like a national championship in the USAPL means a lot more than a national championship in the USPA. It, it holds a lot more weight. There's a lot more uh, like uh, social value there, I suppose. Um, but I, I guess for me, I, I was always kind of like, I want, you know, I think the reason in other sports athletes are taken so seriously is because they make money because of it. And so I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, do, do you guys think money meets can be the appeal for USAPL lifter, lifters move towards the USPA or do you think it's purely going to come from having that seasoned path to a national contest, to a world contest, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think it's definitely the latter. Like, I think what you touched on, you know, I think you nailed it because in the USPA, right. We see a ton of records um, fall just at random locals. Right. And I think that that kind of comes down to how the rules are structured on the untested side where people can pretty much find a meet near them and break any kind of record. Whereas in, you know, the USAPL and the IPF, they have it set up in such a way where national records can only really be set. I mean, prior to this year because of COVID, but could only really be set at meets where there were national judges, um, you know, internet, you know, world records could only count at um, IPF worlds, you know, at this point, it used to so be. Actually, actually we have the same rule. So national records inside of the USPA can only be done if there are at least two national referees on that platform. As for USPA world records, um, those can be done only, I believe, at IPL Worlds, the Olympia, and one other of the um, IPL, which is the USPA's father federation, um, meets that are inside of the U.S., Um, where this is not a fault of the USPA, nor is this a fault of the IPF. And, and or the USAPL um, is all time world records can be broken anywhere. And I think that is one of the, you know, I think this is kind of another thing everybody's been talking about lately. That is kind of one of the problems that there is no actual body um, uh, uh, organization who takes care of the all time world records. Well, that, that was exactly my point. Maybe I, you know, I misspoke in calling it a USPA record, but 
if you're an untested lifter, right, and you're at the highest level of being an untested lifter, you can pretty much compete anywhere and have your name get uploaded to, you know, open powerlifting. Absolutely. Right? Whereas like on the drug tested side, really the only federation where people compete at the highest level drug tested is the USAPL. So everything, you know, every record has to be done according to that set of rules. Um, and since like, we, you know, we said, it's like, there's no, um, you know, regularly scheduled kind of feeding into USPA nationals where you get the highest level untested guys wanting to do that meet every year. Right. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the money meets are going to really draw, you know, it's not going to draw the highest level lifters to the USPA in my opinion, because, you know, for us, our, our, our reason for, for, you know, competing at the highest level is because we have a nationals that matters, a world championship matters. Whereas, I mean, nobody, who cares about the fucking golden nugget every year? Like, I don't care. Yeah. And I, uh, and again, we have evidence of this, right? We have evidence of people not really deciding to jump ship from the USAPL to the USPA because of those reasons that Nori just mentioned. We have, we have all the evidence to us that USPA has money meets, that there's more incentive financially to compete in the USPA. And there seems to be a lot less headaches with a lot of the things too. But this is where the USAPL, I think, fails to realize that the competitors value competitiveness between each other more than anything. And that is a huge thing to have. The very fact that me and Noriega, and I'll ask you, you know, in a bit like, uh, what keeps you Before you, you finish that, uh, Noriega and I. All right. I'm, I'm going to just hold in my hatred for you for doing that to me right now. But... <laughs> Noriega and I, you fucking asshole, are, are like, I want to ask Noriega, like, what keeps him in the USAPL? Because he can jump ship. He can win himself some money. He I can, can answer that. He, he can win himself some money. I can answer that. In the USPA. But, like, there's a reason why I didn't jump to the USPA when I was going from APF. I could have easily done that, especially in Illinois. I wanted to be in the USAPL because of the competitiveness, and that is a huge huge thing that I feel like the USAPL is failing to realize. You hit the nail on the head because the, the what's keeping Sean in the USAPL is Russell Horry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you, I mean, let me ask you right now then. So the topic of the two, uh, the, the two white lights topic of the week was what factors will make USAPL lifters go to USPA. I have one of the best USAPL lifters in the world. What keeps you in it? Is it just the fact that Russell Horry is in it? Is it the competition as a whole? You're the best person to ask, in my opinion. Yeah, it's being number two to the guy who's still number one. Yeah. That's the only thing. Um, yeah, I mean, as as somebody who's been trying to climb the ranks in the USAPL over the years and for the past several years just sitting at two, you know, I would never jump ship for cash. I would never jump ship. I mean, I, I've said this, you know, it's it's selfish, but I can, you know, I disagree with what the USAPL is is doing right now, but I just don't care enough to sacrifice the competitive reasons that I stay in the sport. You know, I, I want to have a shot at winning. So if I went, you know, drug tested USBA, I would lose, you know, the reason that I, that I compete. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's my, my simple answer there. Um, and I think that, you know, honestly, if, if we want to talk about this now, you know, what is going to get people to leave, um, you know, I think that if you look at an example like like me and Russ, right, where it's we're one and two right now by a pretty considerable margin at this point in time, you kind of have this prisoner's dilemma scenario 
where nobody's going to want to jump ship because what happens if the other person doesn't jump ship, right? Everybody at the highest level wants to compete against the guys they've been competing. This is the highest level drug tested lifters are, right? So nobody's going to end up leaving because they're worried about why the other person isn't leaving. And the thing is, with the way things are, you know, the, the different differences between the USAPL and USPA, there, there's room for individual reasons for why people won't leave, right? It could be the different weight classes. It can be the 24-hour weigh-in. It could be the, you know, the three different bars on all three lifts, right? I'm not saying the USPA should ever have to change anything if they don't want to, but I think that until the only reason to stay in a Fed or go to a Fed is how the Fed is run itself, then you know, you're going to get some people who will stay for some reason that's personal to them and other people who want to leave for another reason. But then ultimately, if their competition doesn't go with them, they're going to stay. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. And Steve, I know you mentioned this to me of the comparison, which I think we need to make another comparison on two white lights. We had the coach to football team rating uh, ra- um, comparisons. I think we got to do one with USAPL to the NFL as a whole. Because when you look at the NFL – a lot of people have problems with management in the NFL. A lot of people have problems with the higher-ups making decisions in the NFL. And they still stay in the NFL. They're like, I'm not going to go to the fucking XFL. Why the hell would I want to do that? That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, well, well what, what are we going to do in the XFL? With, I mean, we can get through all these decisions that Goodell makes, but we know that the best is at the best talent's at the NFL, so we're going to stay there. I think a lot of that for the USAPL lifter. Every USAPL lifter has a complaint with the USAPL. Every high-level competitor in the USAPL has a massive problem with all the decisions that are being made by higher-ups. But we're like, fuck, we're kind of stuck here because we know that none of of us are going to jump ship unless there's a mass exodus and it's just going to be stuck in the situation. And, I mean, I'm stuck in the situation, too. I'm getting... Feels like every day I'm getting shafted with this Raw Nationals decision, and it's like uh, I'm still gonna wait for March first to see what happens. Um, I I like the comparison. I think it's awesome, but uh, the NFL. I mean, it, like the sure, yeah, the people reason of teams organizations won't leave the NFL is because yeah, it's the NFL. But this is powerlifting. This is so much of a considerably smaller scale that like a mass exodus is. Like much easier, and I I think um, I don't think that necessarily has to be the change that happens. I I actually kind of think that the federations could could coexist just fine. Um, Steve kind of had a point in this outline that I'm reading. Um, uh, Excuse me, I'm going to um a lot here for a second because now I have to find it. And reading while you're also trying to talk isn't the easiest thing to do. You made a point. I'm going to throw in one thing while you're looking from it. I think a better comparison is UFC to Bellator, especially a couple of years back. I like that. Because I like people, that. You did have people that jumped ship because there was more money. There, there were people are they were getting paid more to get uh, some old guys who weren't winning titles anymore to go over there. But it wasn't going to get the masses to go. They were still going to stay in the UFC, and they actually still coexist. It works well because it kind of has it. I mean. It's a different thing to kind of go to if you just disagree and you get screwed by the UFC, but the UFC is still the premier fighting organization. The USBA is still going to be the premier fighting organization, even if a couple of people, a couple of people jump ship to USBA drug tested. Right. 
But so, I mean, you don't think it's possible for, you know, a shift from USAPL to USPA to also create a shift inside of the USPA in and of itself that benefits lifters who came here for that reason, for the reason of, uh, you know, how things were being ran on that level. I, I think that if enough people, if enough people came, if enough people got through that, what you mentioned was uh, a potential change to the IPF affiliate. Mm-hmm. Could you go, could you go, could, could, could we talk about that? I think, I think that's a pretty interesting idea. And I, I want to hear a little bit about that. But the IPF affiliate is never going to go to a federation that is untested and tested. They're yeah. never ever going to do that. And honestly, this is, this is getting kind of in different topic than just power thing in general, but like marketing and advertising, it doesn't work well for one federation to be both. It, it, it doesn't sell well. It's the same reason Procter and Gamble has two different diapers to sell to two different types of niches of firstborns versus secondborn. Um, it's the laws of marketing and position that one federation cannot be drug tested and untested and dominate everything. There really needs to be the USPA is the dominant untested federation and the USAPL is the dominant tested federation. And just in the minds of the consumer, that makes uh, it, it just makes more sense, not in the sense of like actually how it plays out, but in the sense of how you sell that to people. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Will I be will I be uh, kind of dating myself here if I made a comparison more of the USAPL, USPA being like the Monday Night Wars of professional wrestling? Saying the USAPL, <laughs> Stop. Stop. USAPL is like WCW and the USPA is like WWF? Because it's the same thing. So talent was in the WCW. There were so much issues with management, they all jumped ship to WWF. So, I mean... And and they really, they didn't know what they were sitting on. They were sitting on a gold mine of moneymakers. And yep. you're having those people like, you know, I mean, Candido has expressed many of his frustrations. we got to bring up that video. We have the golden boy of the USAPL, the person who bought so many lifters into the USAPL. I am talking to one who is extremely influenced by uh, Candido. Noriega, you have, expo- you have explained many times that you have a heavy influence by Candido, and he influenced many others as well to get into USAPL, and now he is saying, I'm not competing at this year's Raw Nationals, and I really don't want to have USAPL on my page anymore, my YouTube page, and he was the guy who made Raw Tested Lifting popular, and he is thinking about changing, so it, it, it can't happen, and he's a goldmine, like that's, Candido has bought so much money into the USAPL. If he flips that and brings it to the USPA, you are looking at that potential sign of a mass exodus. Yeah. I mean, I want, I want to touch on, you know, that. I want to touch on a couple points that were made before. Um, you know, I think that if the two federations coexist, right, like, then, then why does the drug-tested side even matter of the USPA, right? Like, it, if, if you didn't have a mass exodus of drug tested USAPL to USPA. It's like, again, I mean, it's, it exists right now, right? Like who the fuck cares about the USPA drug tested side? Like it just, it, it won't matter. Um, and it's not going to entice people to leave. So in my opinion there, if you, if you want, you know, if you want to, you know, uh, make decisions with where you put your money toward, um, you know, and you wanted to leave, I think that that would be a, a good decision. But I do agree that, you know, that could never happen if the goal was to eventually get an IPF affiliate out of this. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, my personal opinion, like I definitely would love to win worlds one day, but just the IPF in general and like going to worlds to me is just not as exciting as, as raw nationals. 
simply because of competition. So, I mean, my, my personal bias is like, I don't really care if, if it never gets an IPF affiliate, it doesn't matter that much to me, but obviously that is, that would be the next logical step. Um, and probably the masses would prefer that at least the masses of, you know, the, the higher level USAPL guys, if they were to leave. So yeah, I mean, you would literally have to, to make a new fed, um, Cause you're not getting, you know, us IPF would never in a million years, even if you're forget marketing, like, you know, the IPF would just never even consider such an idea. Yeah. I think, uh, we've been so heavy on the topic of sports comparisons. That's a great comparison. Um, you know, concerning the USAPL and the IPF and IPF worlds and the competitive level there, that's a great comparison to like, uh, the men's basketball team in the Olympics, the USA men's basketball team in the Olympics, you know, uh, nobody really gives a shit about when the, like the NBA players go and play in the Olympics. Like the only reason people care is because they get to see their favorite players who would never play with each other on a competitive level do that that's the only reason people care i think it's a, that's it's a similar situation here um you know steve talking about the the ipf affiliate um what do you think that is necessary for powerlifting uh inside the, the u.s that being an ipf affiliate le- like legitimizes it i don't that's tough because i think i think a lot of top usapl lifters and i think sean just kind of alluded to this almost care more about raw nationals. So if US, we kind of talk about like if USAPL just ditched IPF, we wouldn't care. And we see that with powerlifting Australia, all those top lifters stayed in powerlifting Australia and didn't care because they just wanted to compete against their fellow countrymen. I mean, I, I don't think most of us have as much of a, like top lifters aren't as much rivals with people across the sea. They're rivals with people in the country. So I don't think it is as a huge deal that you have to be the IPF affiliate, but in the sense of like legitimizing USPA drug tested, it'll, it'll never happen since the IPF affiliate. And I think Sean actually may agree. We see examples. If top lifters don't ship, they're not going to the untested. I mean, we saw Ashton do it. We saw Dennis do it. Um, John obviously made the permanent switch, but we've seen some top USAP lifters go over and do some untested meets, but they're not going to drug tested USPA. They're going to go compete against the best lifters, which are in the untested side. I, I think. I think one thing that's important to remember too is the drug tested USPA has only even been a, a real thing for two or three years. Yeah. And, and I think the, the USAPL has had so much time to listen to their lifters, to, to do what it is their lifters have been asking for them to do for years. And it's like, it's almost like year after year after year, they, they kind of like, they fuck something up. And Steve makes a great point about this in the outline uh, when comparing the USAPL to the NFL in that like, of course they're getting heavily scrutinized all the time. They're the premier federation. And, and that is the truth. I mean, it's much easier to scrutinize something when you're under such a giant microscope. And I agree with that, but I think if I, I do think if there was something such as a max exodus to happen uh, and that the, the transition did go to the drug tested USPA, I mean, at that point, I think in terms of the competitiveness scale, I think lifters would just, kind of compete in both the drug tested and the untested side. Cause there, there is no rule against competing in both the drug tested and the non-tested sides of the USPA. And so I think in a level of competitiveness, sure. For a while, I think it'll happen where like Dennis Cornelius has a great example. He competed at an untested meet and you know, we all know damn well, Dennis Cornelius is a natural athlete. Um, and I, th- I think that's going to happen regardless, simply due to the level of competitiveness. Cause I mean, um, but you know, I think, you know, you guys kind of have an opportunity here too to kind of 
recreate what it is the USAPL has inside of the USPA drug tested division and have, you know, a lot of your concerns and, and issues and, and questions to be answered uh, much more directly and considerably less politically, I think, personally. Okay, so I want to I want to touch on that. And then I want to give my like, if, 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 let's say Steve Dennison came to me and asked Sean Noriega, what do you want out of the USPA in order to do this? So I'll touch on that in a second. But the one thing I wanted to comment on was that the the statement you made about um, kind of the back and forth between tested and untested. Now, I think that would be a bad thing because if you get to the point where the premier tested federation is under the umbrella of an untested one, I feel like it almost delegitimizes the tested side because it becomes more ambiguous now. If you're going back and forth between tested and untested, you might question whether or not someone actually is natural. Um, you know, you'd have to institute some sort of rule where like, even if they're untested, they still have to be subject to tests at that meet. It's just like, I think that that almost kind of muddies up the waters and makes it hard to respect the tested side for the sake of being tested. If you have, you know, if you, if you allow that freedom, like granted, you know, I could go compete okay. in the USA meet now, but you know, it wouldn't be a frequent back and forth. And also the USAPL has rules um, that are set in place about competing at these meets. It's like, you know, if you're a USAPL lifter, um, if we find out that you've competed, um, you know, against international lifters in an untested meet or, you know, with lifters who have been banned from the USAPL, you're not allowed to compete at IPF Worlds. So they have like this guilty by association thing kind of set up, you know, to, whether or not it actually does anything, like, you know, if, if Ashton goes and does the showdown, like, do I think he's on anything? No. But I think that, um, you know, there needs to be some sort of delineation there. Now, I want to get back to that point where it's like, if I had a list of, of grievances and, and what I could, you know, ask for of the USPA, it goes back to what I was saying before, where if you have a group of five lifters who are at one, two, you know, one through five in every weight class, right? And maybe there are a couple of them who are considering leaving, whether it's four and five wanting to leave or one and two wanting to leave. There's always going to be that prisoner's dilemma because, as I mentioned, there are too many differences between how meets are run on either side, such that, you know, maybe to Russ, for example, eh, I don't care, 24 hour deadlift bar, great. But, you know, maybe to me, I'm like, well, I want a two hour way and I want, you know, the same bar for all three, right? So as long as you have those discrepancies, I think you're not going to see as many people be willing to jump ship. So if Dennison came to me, right, and was like, what do you what do you want out of the USPA drug tested side in order to get people over? I would bet that more people would leave if you said, okay, you know, USAPL top lifters, we're gonna do two hour weigh-ins, we're gonna do the same bar for all three. And now really the only thing that is that is delineating both federations is just, you know, which which brand are you more loyal to? Um, and I think that, you know. Currently, they've kind of messed up, right? I think that this is, this is a pretty bad situation, especially the lifetime membership thing. I think that's really kind of, you know, just as Johnny said in this video, detestable business practice. But I will play devil's advocate here and say, you know, the production quality of meats over the past two years especially has gone up tremendously. Um, and I don't think that the USPA can can shake a stick at that. Um, currently? To it. Exactly. Currently, I agree. Absolutely. And I think that change would only come if something um, such as a, a mass exodus would happen. And I think and that's, go and ahead. I, and yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. But I think that in order to really, you know, 
increase the probability of that happening if you are the USPA and truly want to see that happen. I think that you would have to make make it such that the only reason that people would want to stay in the USAPL is if they're just like loyal to the Fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And, I, and you kind of brought it up to like stripping it down to like if it was just brand versus brand and every other factor was the same. You know, it's just all about where you want to throw your money to. Um, you know, I think one thing the USPA has the opportunity to do is kind of review uh, the approach to the drug tested side versus the untested side. I don't think it's ridiculous to potentially change the rules of, of weigh-ins even inside of the, the drug tested side of the USPA and maybe make weigh-ins for the drug tested side two hours. I mean, for, you know, one thing you'll commonly see inside of the the non-tested division with 24-hour weigh-ins with the bigger weight cuts and stuff is the use of, of yeah, like prescription drugs that in other sports, athletes aren't allowed to use, diuretics that athletes aren't allowed to use. And I think that's a plausible argument to wanting to change the, the weigh-in procedure for the drug-tested side and making mm-hmm. that two-hour weigh-ins. As for the three-bar situation, um, I kind of don't think that's ever going to change as a whole simply due to the the, the nature uh, – I'm sorry, the, the level of strength we see frequently from the heavier guys – at USPA meets. I mean, frequent 800, 900 pound squats all the time and doing that on a power bar just sounds horrible. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds like a horrible thing to do. Um, But one thing that a lot of people don't know is that uh, meat directors actually have the option for all weight classes, 82.5, which is 181 pounds and under, to use a power bar on the squats. So now, I think there's an opportunity there to capitalize on the need for the power bar for a, a large majority of the of the uh, you know the USAPL lifters who are talking about a, a potential change to you know USPA drug tested. I think that's one thing that uh, meat directors can also very easily respond to, uh, and um, kind of uh, coupled with that, I mean the majority of USAPL lifters that people watch and and care to talk about and 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 watch on YouTube and those types of things, the ones that are more uh, present in our version of our media, um, they're typically 83s and under. I mean, and so I think it it makes sense that it would be possible for uh, the switch to change and you guys at least still get a power bar on squat. As for deadlifts, I mean, I think the choice between a deadlift bar and a power bar, for the most part, is pretty arbitrary. Now, it's not to say that certain lifters don't get a benefit from a deadlift bar and certain lifters don't get a benefit from the power bar. And a lot of the times, yeah, you'll see a lot of that more, especially from gym lifts. Uh, a lot of times done with straps and pound plates factors that are already outside of the competitive level of the USPA. Obviously we don't use pound plates. We don't use straps. So, I mean, you're already way outside that competitive realm anyway. Um, like you're not going to see as much of a change with the deadlift as it's. And yes, there will be lifters who benefit greatly from using it. And there will also be lifters who are hindered by using the deadlift bar. And I think that right there is a pretty even trade-off uh, for reasons to just kind of just deal with using a deadlift bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- just to kind of retouch, it's possible to at least have the power bar on squats. Obviously you have your power bar on bench and even potentiate the, the idea of two hour weigh-ins inside of the drug tested side of the USPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, so the one thing that I want to, or I guess a couple things I want to say is that I don't necessarily agree with that everybody is 82 and under. Um, I mean, that's not really a huge deal uh, with regards to that. But I think that the only reason that there's a perceived 
logistical issue with making that change is the way that the USPA runs meets, where you have just an all-day thing where everyone squats, everyone benches, everyone deadlifts. Well, but that's my point, right? Because if you make that change, you can have a meet where drug tested is during its own time slot and untested is during the rest of the time. Um, And obviously, you know, I think you would have to, I guess, you know, designate some meets drug tested, whereas some meets wouldn't be because you wouldn't have a, you know, a platform where it's like, you know, six drug tested lifters and then 50 other, you know, untested guys. Um, But I think the point about the deadlift bar, and again, there are probably plenty of people who don't really care. They'll come over and and gladly lift on a deadlift bar um, or just accept whatever the rules are. But I think going back to my point before about, you know, not everybody being willing to leave at the same time because there are different reasons is that at first you're going to see, you know, let's say people do leave, right? You're still going to have a significant percentage of the top level lifters in the USAPL and a significant percentage in the USPA. And I think that when there's that divide, you're going to want to compare across feds. Like I think that lifters are just naturally going to want to compare across federations where you can't make the comparison now between, you know, competitive totals because one was done on a different set of equipment, right? Like if let's say I go to the USPA and I out total Russ and people are like, well, it was on a deadlift bar, right? Like I think that, I think that in order to get everybody on board with wanting to leave, like I said before, um, you know, you'd have to be able to compare across feds. I mean, maybe that's my own, you know, personal belief about it, but, um, no, go ahead, Angela. Let's hear yeah, it. I mean, I would share it with you because really you have no incentive to leave at what Garrett is proposing, and we'll get to that in a little bit because you're creating a meet that is going to fulfill guys like me who might not get into 2021 Raw Nationals. And really the things that are holding me back are all the things you just mentioned, Sean, is the potential for a 24-hour weigh-in. I'm not a fan of the 24-hour weigh-in. I've said on many shows of Two White Lights, I really don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. I like same-day weigh-ins. I like using the 20-kilo bar for all three lifts. I think it's fair across the board. When people were discussing with me potentially breaking UU's record, people were like, why don't you just do it with a deadlift bar? I'm like, well, because UU did it on a stiff bar. I want to beat the same – I want to do the same record that he had because I think that's the most fair thing competitiveness and uh, competitiveness-wise and just my standards of competing. So those do – come into play and again like i am strongly considering doing garrett's meet because i'm getting shafted by the usapl i am really upset with most of the things we're doing in regards to 2021 raw nationals but these things do have a factor in my decision and it has so many others if you look at the comments of two white lights so many other people really look at those rules and really hold them very close to them and i mean it it sounds like I guess it sounds like USAPL elitism, but at the same time, it's something that you have to consider. But what you said, Garrett, if you're going to make, if you're going to pivot and you're taking this opportunity to please USAPL lifters who are potentially jumping ship, I do see a possibility of potentially changing the rules as well, where they, you will, it might be considered. So, I mean, if you can get that considered and you get those changes done, then I, I mean, you have, you have me on board better than he did like uh, prior to that I've, on the just on the specific topic of the deadlift bar I, and you know angela's specific reference to you know you you did it on a on a power bar um i think in that respect it's kind of um 
Sure. In the, in, in the current, in powerlifting currently, that is the case. But if we're thinking long-term here, like those records will adjust over time mm -hmm. uh, with enough lifters, uh, potentially, you know, jumping ship. Those records will adjust over time. Everybody will have done things to, to that standard over time. That just has to be developed. I mean, like I said, the Federation as a whole, the USPA drug tested side is still very, very, very young. There are yeah. states, there are states that don't have state records in some weight classes altogether uh, on the drug tested side. It is that new. And I think that's a huge, huge opportunity for the USAPL lifters to potentially get the changes they've been asking for for a long time. I, I just want to say this though. I don't, I don't think the deadlift bar is ever leaving ever. Nope. There, there's a chance for the squat bar on weight classes at the local level. Um, but I, I don't think that, the deadlift bar is ever, 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 ever going to change. And the crazy thing for me is I'm a much better deadlifter with a deadlift bar. And I'm refusing to use Hell it. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm a much better deadlifter with that thing. And I just refuse to use it because it it is this weird... I guess I'm too proud. Someone did comment that in the thing. I guess I'm just too proud to really use it at this point. Because I know that that's my, that's my lift. That's the one I set records with. And I'm still chasing another all-time world record that I still want to do on a SIF bar. So I, under I understand your, uh, your argument on things will change over time. But, dude, like, speaking of it selfishly right now, I don't care about over time. I don't know how long we're going to be doing this sport for. Like, I really – I'm speaking selfishly right now. I, I, I want to – five, six years of competing is what's important to me. And I'm going to do what's best for me in this point at, at, at this situation. Yeah. And, uh, that's all fair. Um, and, and I guess that's where my perspective is very different. Um, I kind of think of the sport as like a, um, it's got to, it's got to kind of progress at all times until it reaches its pinnacle. And it, and it just hasn't done that yet. Mm -hmm. The sport as a whole. And, uh, I think that all, all of the competitors, all of us and, uh, you know, the meet directors and, and everybody else like has a real opportunity to potentially progress the entire sport as a whole. And, and maybe that's a kind of a biased opinion because I am a USPA meet director, but I've also uh, admitted in the past that I, you know, I wish I had taken a different route as a competitor, mm -hmm. that I wish I had taken that USAPL route. And, um, I, <laughs> obviously, uh, did not do that. Um, so I think, you know, for me, I was, I was speaking of the difference in my perspective. Um, I, I really do just want what is best for the sport and the competitors inside of it as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is my opinion that the opportunity to do that is presenting itself right now. Yeah, and you know, you made a really great point on the hybrid podcast where we are going. We are right now currently in what is the early days of powerlifting. Like every sport has its early days, and I think I brought up with Steve on a few podcasts where another sport comparison. I apologize to the viewers with my crazy sports analogies, but would it surprise you during the early days of Major League Baseball that players were also umping games? that players were really taking upon themselves to make business decisions for the leagues while they were still playing the sport. Was there rule changes in those early days? There definitely was. And right now we are in the early stages of powerlifting where we are not going to reap the, I don't think we're going to reap the benefits of the perfected version of powerlifting that could possibly be mainstream, that could possibly be as popular as CrossFit. I don't think we're going to fully be the beneficiaries of it. I think we are going to be the early days of powerlifting 
we yeah, but uh, don't you love talking about those like historical figures and oh, historical yeah, for sure. changes? I mean, and seeing how those things came together to oh, make yeah. such a giant of an organization and yeah, powerlifting. Frankly, it'll it'll never ever ever fucking be what the NFL is, what the NBA is, what even the MLS is. I mean, we'll we'll never get that close. It's just not. I think we have a chance friendly. the MLS. I think we'd let, definitely have a chance the MLS. Yeah, maybe, maybe the MLS. That's I think fair, we got it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if but, I agree with that. Of because, which part? Because we used to. I don't know if I agree with Garrett's comment. Well, I agree with the the literal sense of it that yes, we will never be as big as like real professional sports that are mainstream in the u.s but i don't agree with the um i guess the the negative outlook on where powerlifting can go as a sport in terms of popularity um because we saw you know back in you know the the 80s the 90s that powerlifting was on tv i mean the world's strongest man has been branded in a you know an insane way right where it's on espn every single year around christmas time you know, these companies, these, you know, athletes have massive sponsorship deals. I think that I, as things are now, I would, I would agree in the sense that, you know, I would agree that we're not going, we're not on the trajectory to get there, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not willing to, I guess, settle and just say, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a futile effort to get to. Oh no, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a, it's a futile effort. Absolutely not. I'm saying the difference between football on TV and strongman on TV is the majority of football fans never fucking played football a day in their life. Yeah. They, they never did a competitive thing in their life. They just watch it sitting at home and they, and they were introduced to it that way. Um, whereas like the majority of people watching strongman on TV usually are strongman competitors. And even then that's what's once a year. That's one time a year. You don't see ESPN talking about how Hapthor's or Hapthor's training is going right now. Martin Leach's training is going right now. ESPN doesn't talk about that. They do talk about LeBron in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They do talk about what he's doing in practice. They do talk about how the how the I mean, there's a whole NFL combine that happens not during the season. And uh, I mean, I think like that's that's more so what I'm saying. We're yeah. never going to have a full covered sport. I absolutely do think we could be just as big as a strongman is uh, in terms of being on TV or how powerlifting was in the 80s and 90s, or you know, even as big as CrossFit is. I think we have an opportunity that. I mean, CrossFit has been on as high as like ESPN two, I believe, and has been streamed directly on the ESPN app before. I believe I could be absolutely wrong about that, but I believe. No, you're right. And I think, I mean, Steve, Steve and I had a uh, uh, podcast topic about this was really defining what mainstream is, because I think it's fair to say that powerlifting won't become the NFL, but that's because the NFL is this most, is like one of the most powerful organizations in the world. We're talking about completely different things here. I definitely think it could reach the popularity. Of course, it's a billion dollar uh, industry, but I think we could definitely reach the popularity of strongman, CrossFit, and also bodybuilding. I think bodybuilding had a ton of mainstream success and i think saying that no never get to that point we should never you know push powerlifting down to that standard but it just goes back to defining what mainstream is i say you know what mainstream is is what garrett was describing like i go out into public and i see people with chicago bears jerseys on that's mainstream that's yeah. that's mainstream to me like uh there's I don't think powerlifting will 
have, you know, people with Russ or he, like they, they know him by name on the street. Well, I mean, I guess my, 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 and this could be, I guess the quote of the episode for me, that's going to be an asshole quote, but a lot of bodybuilders have egos, whereas a lot of power lifters are just a bunch of self-deprecating losers. And all these companies in the, in the bodybuilding world, in the, you know, primarily the bodybuilding world, right? Because it's not a mainstream sport, but the production value and the, and the, the money in it is, is huge. Right. And I think that the, the, the people who have money within the bodybuilding world, you know, like the supplement companies, for example, you know, went all in on getting to the point where now bodybuilding is a, you know, a multi-million dollar industry. Whereas like a bunch of power lifters are just complaining about being depressed all the time and how they're not real athletes and all this shit. So culturally it's like, it's just not, it's not going anywhere when your average power lifter, you know, is, is like that. But that's where powerlifting, I think, the reason that that comparison is just kind of tough to make, I think powerlifting is way more immediately accessible to any consumer than football is, than basketball is, than, than any of those other sports are. Literally anybody can do a Google search and go compete next month. Mm-hmm. You can't do a Google search and even join a club basketball team in the next month. Like it just doesn't work that way well, because I would say basketball. <laughs> I said, let's get rid of it. Don't make it accessible. <laughs> See now I think that is kind of something potentially worth talking about. I mean, the, the potential create now, and maybe this comes down to just what, is that just another federation? But like the creation of like somehow, some way, this is just a, a bunch of little tributaries off of this topic as a whole. So like it's, it's a giant idea with no thought going into it until right now. Um, it's like, if there was like a pro league of powerlifting, but see like, cause what that separates and some people will argue like that's what prime, that's exactly what prime time is. That's exactly what worlds is, but why doesn't it have that like ring to it then? Why is it like, I don't know, I guess, sorry, a little, little skew there. That makes sense. I mean, if you look at like, let's use bodybuilding and strongman, there's a definition of a pro. There's literally like IFBB pro card. You are a pro strongman. It's a different federation. And I think when we talk about the mainstream thing, I think the kind of a way we kind of described it, and I think this might be the best way, is like, do you have to have a pro card or a pro label to be considered a pro? I, I don't know. I consider it more like you are truly making a living. Like a professional power lifter means you are making six plus figures powerlifting and doing nothing else, not with your apparel brand or your YouTube channel um, or your supplement company you started. Just from powerlifting alone, you can be making legitimate money, which then, then could mean you are a pro powerlifter in some way. And that's that's what I would consider us being mainstream in some way. Can we support these top lifters from just their lifting alone? Uh, and I think that's one thing where people like Angelo with the selfish mindsets are the biggest problem. Because, like, that's only something that we can do if we're thinking entirely of how we can change the future of this sport, how we can alter the projection of this sport. And that's where people in the people in this sport who have the poll are the current competitors. There has been very few times in this sport where somebody's even name has remained in the in the general conversation of the sport and powerlifting outside of maybe Ed Cohn and a few others, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't get that here. We don't get relevance after the career. Part of the reason is some of the best powerlifters in terms of ranking 
ever have a career that is one to two, potentially three years long. And that's another huge thing missing from the sport. But again, I think all that is just kind of run off into a much grander issue with coaching and, you know, how people get introduced to the sport. And, you know, that that's, again, kind of, Kind of a bigger topic than what we're currently talking about, but generally my goal has always been the same of, you know, the projection of the future, the projection of the sport as a whole. So correct me if I'm wrong, Angelo and Steve, I feel like you guys would know more than me. Isn't the average career length of like an NFL football player, like three years or something like that? Close to yes. that. Yes, but that's more because of their talent level. If you're actually taking talented athletes, I would guess that's more like eight to 12 years, three years because they, they're hopping off practice squads and they give up which is the exact same thing as the majority of the high ranking lifters in the USPA. I was actually going to make that point in that, you know, the NFL has the, and the NBA have tons of people who did two to three years who were amazing way ahead of the time, way ahead of their time, way ahead of the level of competitiveness and just like kind of fizzled out and left. So with that, one of the things I talked about in the mainstream of like, why, Talking about, like LaShawn said, we're not on the trajectory trajectory to be mainstream, even though I think the four people sitting here are all trying to get us there in some way, uh, if it's possible. The fact of the matter is, is because there is an untested, there's a great thing that we have an untested and tested side. That's actually a great thing about powerlifting. There is two avenues to do that. But at the same time, they're fighting each other to be mainstream. Not both, both of them are not going to be mainstream. It's going to be one or the other. And one of the things you just said about talking future projection of how we can make this mainstream, the untested side one to three years and they're out. And I, and I, there's multiple reasons people have talked about that of like longevity of just hopping straight on stuff versus building a natural base. And you see more of the natural lifters that switch over, they have a longer lifespan. Well, look at the IPF. I mean, it's, we, we can't see that in raw yet because we're not old enough, but if you look at the IPF, you got Yaroslav Olaf who's been competing like 20 plus years. I would argue if we're going to push something to be mainstream so that we can have these athletes being in the limelight for 10 plus years, the natural side probably has that ability. Now, maybe the, the freakishness isn't going to sell because usually people like freakishness. They don't like natural bodybuilding. They like to see Big Rami and Sean really likes to see C-Bum because I always get talked about with what he wants for his bicep curls. Um, I mean, strongman, you don't see the little light guys, the, the lightweight guys, but you, you see Thor and you see that. So that's where I don't know if the appeal from the outside crowd would be for natural, but in the sense of the longevity to be able to have these athletes like being able to relate to them for 10 plus years, the, the natural side tend is, is definitely set up better for that. See, that you kind of got to decide which one to push because we can't push both. We got to decide as a, a community, which one's going to be the one we push in the limelight. See, this is the tough part because even in other strength sports, you look at strongman, you look at IFBB bodybuilding. It is not commercially described as being the untested side of the sport. Everyone That's- who's ever lifted, everyone who's ever lifted a weight, and is in the know, knows that Big Ramy and fucking Half Thor Bjornsson are not natural, right? But those sports are not marketed as such. So we're in a really bad place in terms of which do you push more because, truthfully, no professional sport is drug-free, right? I'm not saying there aren't natural athletes in every sport, but there are people who use drugs in sports, and it, specifically in strength sports, everybody on in strongman and bodybuilding is on drugs. So people like seeing the pinnacle of human performance, but since they are not told off the bat at face value, this is the untested side of the sport, there, there's a there's kind of a you know an unknown there, right? Whereas you can't market publicly 
untested powerlifting, especially because of how pro steroid the untested side because of that factor. But then again, when, like you said, when it comes to viewability, nobody would want to watch, you know, if you gave everybody sitting at home who checked in on the Olympia or watched Strongman during December, if you showed them two clips and you said, all right, on this half, here's Thor, here's Eddie Hall, here's them, here's, you know, Eli Burks and all the, the 220s, you know, sub-220 natural strongman competing, and you didn't tell them which group was which, they would all choose the untested side. And I think that powerlifting is at that disadvantage because we've decided to delineate. And it's yeah, great I think for competitors, it... but if you want to go long-term, every sport has like this, this mystery of whether or not the people yeah. you're watching are on stuff or not. I think that's a also. I, I agree with you entirely. That's a, it's, it's a massive marketing issue. Uh, I think the, it's a mistake that the USAPL and every other powerlifting federation ever also made. I mean, seeing uh, a banner on the back of a meet that says "America's Choice for Drug-Free Lifting," like it instantly implies that that, that sport in and of itself has has drugs involved in it. And you're presenting that. You're making that an instantaneously digestible thing for the viewer. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest, mark, at least, marketing changes that needs to happen inside the sport from everybody. It's just not mentioning on a, on a, on a level of spectation that that is what happens. What, like, it, it should just be a known thing. If you're going to be a lifter in the USAPL, there is a chance that you get drug tested. That's something the lifter needs to know. If, if we're talking about changing this, the spectation and, and viewability of the sport, um, that has to go. I think as a whole, the, the just this alluding to drug free or non tested as a whole. Yeah. Then when um, you look at the other side of USPA, you know, there was a big thing in Illinois where you get the fucking must be the trend shirts and like the shirts with the syringes on them. It's like, well, guys, you're inadvertently damaging the mainstream push here by doing that. And it's actually I very eggy, but I heard, I've never really heard that other comparison of. You know, saying that America's choice for drug-free lifting is also inadvertently hurting the mainstream success of the sport because it's like, oh, wait, hold on. What's what's going on? Can you guys explain to me what the drug's going on? Because I, I do remember there was a news story that broke uh, from ESPN when Thor, the reporter, was – the reporter did not know that Thor was on steroids and Thor mentions like, yeah, I'm on steroids – and they tried to make a story out of it. They tried to make like a breaking news type of thing that the strongest man in the world is taking steroids. <laughs> and he was like, oh, this, like during the interview, you could tell, was like, oh, this fucking person's an idiot, doesn't know what the hell's going on with the sport. So he just completely is like, oh, you know, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. But yeah, there's a disconnect there, but that's because Strongman isn't presented in a way that it's either drug free or not drug free. That was, a, that was a, an amazing talking point, Sean. That's a great point. <laughs> I've got a point I'll bring up, and we'll circle back around now because the original topic was USAPL, should we leave the USPA and all that kind of stuff, is I think for the most part we all agree people aren't going to leave the USAPL and USAPL is going to continue doing what it's doing. So what can we, how can we fix this? And I, one thing I, I didn't know, I, I want to know the answer to this, and Arian Kamisi answered this finally, is like why don't we have any representation to like, with these decisions, like how are these decisions being made? And it sounds like there's a big issue that we've got like Congress that they can just keep going term after term after term and no one can get in that right there. If we can fix that, if we can get some people who are actually at the base level competing and athletes and coaches and meet directors and not these people that are just doing their terms over and over into those positions, 
we could fix this issue within the USAPL and then we wouldn't really be talking about this because the USAPL is great minus these couple decisions. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's the, now you you guys have done the sports analogies um, and I'll do my, my political analogy, but like the USAPL's, you know, governmental system is very establishment, right? Like the EC, I think it's made of like Priscilla, Larry, Rob Keller, Johnny Graham, or maybe not Rob Keller. Uh, Johnny Graham, Jan Dario, Polly Steinman, like people who have been in this organization for a very, very, very long time. And there are like positions called like athlete representatives who really don't do too much, like in terms of like what changes they can exact. Um, And from people that I've spoken to who have tried to, you know, Sean Collins, for example, who have tried to like run for bigger positions, it does seem like the structure is such that, you know, you have the, the USAPL Nancy Pelosi can stay in her spot forever, right? Like your, your, your establishment people within the USAPL have their spots and they're not going anywhere. And like I said, you know, I played devil's advocate before. There are a lot of positive changes that the USAPL has made. But I think that when you have people who are at the top, you know, essentially serving term after term, who frankly are just out of touch, you know, communicatively, with all the people who are actually representing the sport at the the lifter level, you can't really expect the best decisions to be made. Um, like I've spoken to, um, you know, Ellis McLean before, and he's mentioned a, a burning desire to, you know, at one point, I don't know if this, this opinion still holds, but at one point really, really wanting to get into, you know, some sort of higher position within the USAPL to exact uh, positive change. But, I mean, you, you nailed it. It's like there really is no, there's no, uh, there's no ability to climb up the ladder for these people who are like, you know, like us, right? Who, who want to see, um, you know, the voices of the lifters be heard, so to speak. Yeah, and I think like, even if we wanted to, we know that right now we're going to have to spend 30 years getting there. And how many of us really plan to be doing this for the next 30 years? You didn't um, pay your lifetime it, membership? I didn't pay for it yet. Nah. But, um, I'll, I'll say one, I don't like, I'm not even sure if I'll be alive that long, but I mean, I kind of do, I kind of have the intention of, um, being involved in this sport for the rest of my life, whether my income is from the sport or not, that'll probably change, but I plan on at least, you know, being involved in, you know, even if it's in my ass hat ways, uh, attempting to do what's better for the sport, what's good for the sport, what's at least propelling the sport in the, a general sense of the right direction. In spite of me coming off as selfish earlier, I would probably like to take that position just because I, I do see, I mean, I do see myself in the sport for that long. It's just necessarily right now. I think I'm just really butthurt about the whole 2021 situation. I just really want to compete. Like I got to fight that one, but at the same time, like I would love to be that representation yeah. of athletes because I mean, you know, we, I created two white lights because I love the sport. Like I didn't really do it any, I like conversing with other powerlifters and really with two white lights, I talked to a lot of powerlifters, like getting their ideas and everything, getting the feel of the culture, the environment will be good for me to take that position. So, and I know a lot of other lifters would like to take that uh, position as well. So I'll be willing. I will not spend money on the uh, lifetime membership though. I do not make enough as is as a educator. So I'm not doing that. How crazy is that? Somebody gave me uh, some math earlier that essentially you would have to compete within the sport for. Oh no, it was on the Hybrid Unlimited podcast. You'd have to you'd have to compete in the sport for 30 or thirty five years. Forty years. You don't even break even. 
years to just to break even. Yeah. You would and and also do that only within the USAPL. Well, but you get a jacket. Did you? Did, <laughs> did, did you guys see you the actual thing? I can wear that jacket to nationals, dude. No, like, it gets even worse than the jacket. It's hilarious what they included on the thing. I could actually maybe pull it up on the email, but it's something like. The most boomer shit someone could ever want. It's like a jacket, like a members-only jacket, a laminated card, like 5% off of, of like coaching courses, merchandise. Like 5%? Who's doing 5% discounts anymore? What the fuck? You save like $2. We're going to give you the opportunity to dress like John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I got to pull up the email of what exactly it says to be a lifetime member. And here's the thing, because I, I know a lot of the lifetime members is be, it more spotlights to it now because of the situation with 2021 Raw Nationals. But in a sense, I don't like if you want to see if people are going to sign up to be lifetime members, then by all means, see what USAPL can make out of that. The reason why I put more of a spotlight in it was like, why the fuck did you guys bring this up in the athlete email? Of we get all the criteria, but then you have to throw in with the condescending term our celebrated lifetime members get an early invite. That's what set me over the edge with it. It should not be a criteria to get into Raw Nationals, but in of itself, like it's creation. Sure, let's see what boomer or what guy wants to volunteer to donate really $2,000. That's all you're going to get. Sorry, it's such a lose lose too because, you know. The 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 outrage is really over now that they've publicized it and, and made this an opportunity. It's such a lose-lose for the Federation because we now have outrage over something that no one is actually going to capitalize on. Like, I think it's just no at nationals, at least in, uh, you know, on the open level. I don't think anybody is going to pay for this and end up at nationals. So we are all mad about uh, dishonest and, and somewhat, you know, um, shady business practice over something that's such a bad, you know, financial decision for anybody to make that nobody's even going to take advantage of it. It's like you ended up making people dislike your business practices and you don't even benefit from it. Uh, I would like to read. Please do. Please do. <laughs> the eight benefits of being a lifetime member. Um, I would also like to point out every one of these things could be attained attained for literally a tenth of what you would spend on a lifetime membership. So the first thing that you receive, the very first uh, benefit that is listed to you, is personalized lifetime member jacket. How cool is that? You get a Letterman jacket. You get a Letterman jacket for competing. (laughs) Not only do you get a jacket, everybody... (laughs) Everybody in the world who would ever see you actually wear that jacket will also think you're a complete jackass. <laughs> Number two, lifetime, <laughs> lifetime member personalized ID card. <laughs> you could put a thumbtack and put it on your cork board in your office. Number three. <laughs> A life, a lifetime member embroidered patch, dude. Nate, to give me one millennial who knows what a, an embroidered patch even is, <laughs> let alone how to fucking apply one to their personalized lifetime member jacket. 
<laughs> distinctive. <laughs> distinctive lifetime <laughs> member decals. If these are not fucking bat heads, I am not taking them, okay? Free spectator entry to all the USA powerlifting nationals. You'll be saving $10 doing that? And, wow. Wait, if you five, compete at Raw Nationals, you get you get entrance anyways, so that's good. And a 5% discount on course entries and seminars, as well as the prestigious 5% discount on entry for Raw Nationals. That saves you an entire $7. Who the fuck gives a 5% discount for anything? Ever? Have you seen anything like, hey, so would you like 5% off of that? I'd be like, what the hell? No. I don't have, none of my discounts are 5% off. They'll be, they'll be insulting to the the sponsorship to do a 5% discount. I've seen it on, on cars. I've seen it on houses. I've seen it on, um, anything that costs over a thousand dollars. Um, but they're not actually, you know, discounting the $2,000 membership. So Hey, sir, would you like to save uh, 5% today on this purchase? It only costs you $2,000 to do so. That'll be a great little speaking point. There. No, Coles, I did not save $170. I spent $440 on your piece of shit Lee jeans, okay? <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad you read those because I read them this morning and I was like, I didn't know when they created that that was the perks of it. But, I mean, I guess they found another way uh, to add it in there because 2021 Raw Nationals, whoever's crazy enough to buy this, you got early entry and piss off guys like me. And the, the the I guess the thing that really set me over the edge on this was, you know, David Wilson posted on a story that he got the invite. And shout out to David because he's been real, like, he's been given the runaround on this whole thing and has still been that athlete, even though he got invited, to really speak out against it. But I saw in there, I feel like they added this, this verbiage to piss me off, like me specifically, because they just put in are celebrated lifetime members in the same conversation as people who qualified in 2019, 2020, last year's world, like Raw Nationals champion. It's like, oh, you're on the same level as Russ Orhe if you spend $2,000. Like, and again, no one's buying these. And, but it's just such a, the principle of the matter that they had to throw that in there. It's like a big fuck you. Yeah, I loved their point to Johnny. Uh, 0.0014% of our membership is actually lifetime members. Not the point. Uh, Not the point. Don't worry. You, you don't have to tell us that anyway. <laughs> that's that's the thing I don't understand because, you know, in, in previous years, the USAPL has done things at national level meets, you know, very obviously to make more money. For example, 2017 Raw Nationals held in Orlando was the first year where uh, coaching passes were not per day but per session. So if there were three sessions within a day, session one, session two, prime time, you had to have a different colored coaches band for every session, right? So that's an example in which the USAPL can now extract more money from the people who are there. But this year there's COVID, right? They have hard restrictions on the number of people who have, who can come. So I don't understand. And like we said, nobody's going to buy this lifetime membership shit. I don't understand what benefit the USAPL gets from not just ranking people and just doing it solely on merit. They're not making any more money this way than they would if they just did it based on ranking. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. And with that, too, this goes back to actually when I hosted the Midwest Primetime. We know we're in COVID. We know that the USAPL got hurt last year from that. 
if they would have just come out from the get-go, said, okay, we're going top 15 for each class. We understand we can't have as much lifters. Because of that, Nationals is going to cost a little bit more this year. We're, we're sorry about that, but we just have to cover costs. We're just being transparent with you. When I did that for the Midwest Primetime, I told all the lifters, I was like, hey, I can't have spectators. The only way I can co- – I'm not going to make any money off of this, but the only way I can actually cover costs is we're going to have to go a little bit more in my usual local meets. Everyone was like, oh, awesome. I just want to lift. If the USA would have done that, I mean, Sean, you're signing up. If they would have said 200 bucks, we just have to do this. It's the way we're going to be able to host this meet, but we're going to make sure we get the top 15 and we're going to do it. Would you have thrown a fit or Angela? No, you could, they could no. have charged me $500. I would have done it. Like, yeah. I'm so, honestly, I was surprised to find out it was as virtually inexpensive as it is to compete at Royal Nationals, given the production value. Yeah. I mean, we understand mo- it takes money to do this and like, I think, it, I think we got annoyed about the coach pass because why punish the coaches? That's kind of silly. But I, I don't think I've ever been annoyed in the sense of like charging the lifters a premium because we understand this is a very premium meet and we want to yeah. be there. Like mm-hmm. we get why this costs so much. I you think know, the USA – sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the, the, the production changes that they've made over recent years in paying um, – I forget the name of the fucking company, but it's this guy, Luis um, – who does it for the USAPL? Like it, we know that it's expensive. Like they've they've alluded to how much this sort of stuff costs. Um, and if you're a high level lifter, you know, if like you said, Steve, they they just come out and say, you know, top fifteen is really all we can, um, you know, we're permitted to invite because of COVID rules. I mean, the affordability aspect is usually something that is that is um, complained about more by your average USAPL powerlifter. Like if you're at the top. This is more of an inelastic good for you. You know, you're going to pay whatever you can because there's there's something you're getting out of it aside from just okay, I'm going to enjoy myself and lift, right? Like you're competing for real. Well, even then, most of those athletes have sponsors who pay for meat entry. That's like the bare minimum expectation of sponsors in this sport is that you get free meat entry that they pay for your meats. And I think they, I think USAPL really missed out on an opportunity uh, of more money for having a paid live stream. Because they had the opportunity to have the the best lifters in the U.S. in each weight class all in the same room, no matter what. Because now it's also that much more limited. It's that much more individualized. And they had an opportunity to then take that and charge 10 bucks as a pay-per-view fee. 10 bucks. You know how many freaking people would have watched that? Do you know how many people would have paid to see that? You can't have spectators. I mean, you, you probably can i guess they, i don't really they know did say on the thing you oh yeah that's that's spectators. why they're doing it in florida i forgot that's why they're doing it in florida florida's pretty lax on that but like oh, man, well they're having it in florida it. anyways like that was planned you know prior they were having a daytona beach okay. regardless so okay. they they were doing paid uh entry fee for spectators and i even made this point with steve i still think that raw nationals can be this thing even though not everyone gets to go. It's not going to be the same Raw Nationals where you get a thousand, you know, well over a thousand people competing. But I do think people will make the trip with their friends, say, with, you know, the Get Better Today crew or something. They'll make a trip with Russ just to hang out and have a good time. And other people with their friends will just be like, hey, you know, I'd love to take the trip with you to go down. You spend some money to spectate the meet. You do the paid uh, live stream. You make money out of it. We're not, I'm not against making money. That's the that's the annoying thing. It's like, no, you're a business. Let's see how much money you can make for the lifters. I'm all for you guys charging certain things. And like you said, Sean, I would definitely pay $500 to go to this meet. Like, there's no problem in that. And I think every top 14 lifter, for the most part, would do the same thing. And if you don't do that, they don't accept the invite. 
You go a rank down and get the other guy. Yep. You get next guy up, yep. next girl up. I think get the think other the, person in. They all want to compete. If you're top twenty five, you probably want to compete at Raw Nationals. I think that this kind of really proves the point of just like there was on physical level, like there were there were ways to make money, more money with with way less work on the back end. I mean, way less work. Um, you do a paid live stream, you charge more for the athlete entry, and you invite the top-ranked lifters and just walk down the line. I mean, that's it. That's absolutely and, all it took. And believe and, me, and, this was suggested to them. This is where I'm strongly considering, even if I get that invite, even if I get in on time, doing your meet, Garrett, because this was all presented to them. And you know, with all their conjuring, with all these emails being sent by not just lifters like me other high level lifters who already had a spot their solution to this was okay let's see how we can make the 2019 qualifiers happy the the six people got in based off 2019 top three overall which are so much overlap to begin with let's see how we can make them happy and then let's go lifetime membership on this too like that was their response to our suggestions that's why I'm really upset with the Federation because I know that was suggested to them. I know it was like, okay, Sean, you had a great point. Have everyone register at once and get the top 14 people or get the top ranked people. And if they and if those people are upset, well, you fucking made your money anyways. You got it. And you are, it's based on merit anyways. And if people don't, you know, accept it, you go next person down, you send the, you send the invites that way, or you send the, it, it's a very easy thing to do. USAPL executive committee, it is not too late. You guys have till June. Give people their money back and just restructure it. It is it is not that insane, guys. Uh, we were suggesting this in January that they do this. We were saying, guys, it's not too late. We got this. We got till March 1st. Fix it. And February 1st, they pissed off more people in the process. It's amazing. It's It's truly amazing how they did that. Yeah, I mean, they made that, I think they made that that small amendment, right? Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think that when the, the structure was released in January, they, you know, eventually made the amendment that was a topic of conversation earlier today, where they were just like, all right, as of 2019, we're going to invite the, you know, the top ranked lifters uh, from 2019 on. Um, you know, I definitely think that the USAPL could could rectify this because they did make mention of of a, a potential... Uh, I think limitation in entries based on the second round of invites being sent out where they might have to refund people. I remember seeing that be mentioned. So if they are willing to refund based on capacity, then that idea of just doing it based on rank is, is doable under their already, you know, existing set of, of, you know, potential courses of action going forward. Also, can I, can I really mention something? If they were seriously making a rule from 2019 to get Daniela Mello in because she is going to be the best 76 kg competitor. Just announce it. Just announce that Daniela Mello is going to be the over the overwhelming favorite to win 76 kg. Like no one will have an issue with that. Trying to make these little rules where other people get in through the back door. And I'm not saying it was because of Danny either. They made that rule. I could make a suggestion that is from a, a group of other lifters, but if they just announce that flat out, I'd be like, all right, if you say David Wilson gets an invite because he was a world champion in 2019, I'd be like, okay, I'm okay with that. Say the same thing with Deuce Gruden. It's like, he's a junior world champion, and he really doesn't get to compete. I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. But then when you go down the list, and it's like, all right, well, this person definitely doesn't deserve it based on 2019 and then 2020. 
then I'm like, all right, so you guys could have just told me this, and I would have been happy with it. You could have invited four yeah. people that they found merited to do that. SBD no, could have announced 100. it. SBD could have been like, here is our athletes that we want to get to Raw Nationals. And I would have been like, <clears throat> okay, those people probably deserve it because they were former world champions or probably the best in the world at a certain time. I'm cool with that. No, 100%. I mean, I think this all goes back to, you know, just the idea that honesty is the best policy. And I think that, you know, that's been a big issue with with the USAPL where people feel like decisions get made completely in the dark or people are being left in the dark. And then something comes out that is just so contradictory to what like the current, uh, you know, climate or dialogue is among the athletes. It's like, I think if, you know, let's say that one of us ran the USA powerlifting page, maybe we would, you know, say that we're going to announce the list of first, you know, first round picks, right. Or first selection. And then like, we put up multiple slides on the USAPL Instagram page and we say, here's one through five or one through 10 ranked in each weight class. These people are getting invites. And then you, you know, you lay that the, the ground rules out early and you have like the second round picks, honorable mentions, whatever. And then when that due date comes out, you know, like it did, you know, I guess yesterday, um, you know, you announced like we invited John Gruden because in 2019 he ranked this position. You know, we invited all the SPD athletes because they're SPD athletes and they've had, you know, maybe for one reason or another, they didn't do nationals, but, Ranking wise, they're still at the top. You know, they're one of our biggest, um, you know, they are the, the bigger names in our in our federation. Um, I think that that's kind of a big point of contention, right? It's that there are rules that are publicly available. And then given that, you know, me, for example, like I hear a lot of the, the backroom discussions about, you know, why Daniela was getting invited, why Wilson was getting invited. So it's like, that's not known to, you know, maybe it was known to you, Angelo, but it's like the average you know, 15th place or 10th place uh, lifter in any given weight class, like they don't know what kind of exceptions are being made. And I think that you could very clearly just, just let everybody know, like you said, you know, these are the reasons these people are getting invited and just get that information out because nobody's going to complain seeing Daniela get invited. She's the second best female lifter yeah. in the world, period. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be great if they were transparent with those things, especially on social media, because I, I mean, USAPL owes me something here because I'm explaining to everyone how this is working. I'm explaining to coaches right now why certain lifters are in. It's like, wait, does this person get an invite? I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, why am I telling you this? Why am I the person telling you this information? USAPL should be doing that. And they're not being transparent with what they're doing. <laughs> I just, it's very simple. I have people reaching out to me to ask me who's invited. I'm like, well, I should not know this information more than you guys. USAPL should be saying who's invited or why certain people are invited or why they come up with certain rules. It's very easy. I think they need someone to control that social media page. Uh, Cause right now it just doesn't seem like someone of age is using it to their, uh, to the capabilities. Uh, I go back to the new year's Eve live mass gif that they use. They accidentally used a Taco Bell gif uh, to promote New Year's. And that was I'm like, oh, wow. They did not look that one. They did not check that one through. But I, it's, it's very, yeah, like you said, it's very doable. So, Garrett, what are you going to do for some of these people who are not going to compete at Raw Nationals, <laughs> man? Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I started seeing all the posts back when uh, the USAPL started talking about how they were going to approach the process for raw nationals and sorry about that. And, um, 
Man, I was already planning. It's kind of funny. It worked out in my favor in quite a few ways, at least um, speaking before this all takes place. Um, I was already planning on doing a, a drug tested contest at a drug tested USPA contest at Indy City Barbell somewhere around May or June, um, simply to cater to people that I knew personally who weren't going to be able to do something such as raw nuts. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like a, a grand thing. Um, and so that was already in talks. I'd already been talking about giving away combo racks and just higher end prizes for the lifters, things that people want, um, things that can draw in the lifters. But um, as it all developed, uh, I just kind of felt like that somebody had to give an, an outlet, a competitive outlet for the people who were kind of getting, what's the term you snubbed out of the opportunity to do, to do an event where they get to compete against the other best people. So since it's not a national level event, um, since the majority of the competitors who could potentially come weren't uh, IPF lifters, um, I felt like it was a completely plausible idea to give those guys first an opportunity based on an invitational system to compete against each other at a contest that is drug tested and as catered to their normal competitive conditions as possible, that also gives them... um, the potential for prizes, the potential for high-end prizes and prize money and things that, in a sense, um, can at least prove some sort of monetary value to, you know, what they do on a weekly basis and daily basis, um, simply for the sake of lifting weights. I love it. I love it, man. And I really was happy that you announced that. I was super, I was just psyched because, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely interested in doing it. Uh, that is that is a big thing that I would love to see happen and compete in. But at the same time, I was talking to a lot of people. They're just like, you know what? Even if you get five to six people in each weight class, it's going to be a banger of a meet regardless. Like, it's just going to be a very good meet for people to compete in. They're all for it. People love the idea. We have a lot of people who are competing at Raw Nationals. Uh, Jesus Oliveira, shout out to uh, Mega. But he was like, yeah, this would be a sweet meet to compete in if I wasn't, if I didn't think I was going to win Super Heavyweight uh, National Championship. So, um, yeah, I think I love what you're doing there. I'm psyched for it. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess I- I'm still waiting it through. But even if, like I said, even if I get in, um, I don't know exactly if I want to give my money to the USAPL just yet. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is, man, if I can just get like a good, um, picking, uh, or a good, a good few of the top 10 lifters from the USAPL and use that exposure from those people, the exposure from the situation to also get some of the top competitors from the drug tested USPA, and, and find a way to get these people to, to compete against each other. And at least, even if it's a one-off instance, a one-off instance, find a way to compare competitors in different federations, even if it's for a very small competitor pool. Yeah. And with, with that meet too, and you kind of alluded to this, it's, it's a perfect way to kind of gradually dose. Because unless the USAPL does something just unbelievably stupid and everyone leaves all of a sudden because they just ruin everything. Very, very possible. Some type of shit. <laughs> that stick could um, happen. <laughs> the only way it could possibly happen is a very gradual shift. And I know uh, Chico Cloyne, I don't know if I'm saying that right, he had brought up like, let's really just put on a, a big nationals, but that wouldn't work because not yet yeah i think it was a it's too big of a decision to try to throw up people 
Well, it's not even so much too big of a decision is that USAPL lifters don't want to test out USPA with a national meet that then gets them banned. Yeah. At your meet, they don't get banned. They can go in, they can get their feet wet, they can see how they like it. They're probably going to get, not probably, they're going to get an amazing meet experience, which maybe another USPA meet with certain directors they might not get. They're going to get an amazing meet experience with you that's going to be very similar to what they're going to get at the Arnold or Nationals. Um, and at least leaves a good taste in their mouth. I agree. I agree. I, uh, I take pride in, uh, in putting on a good contest for the lifters and doing the best I can to put on a good contest for people watching the lifters for spectators. Um, uh, I mean, serious pride. And uh, I don't have a lot of that. So, uh, <laughs> Garrett Fear, leaving good taste in your mouth since 1997. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it, Sean. <laughs> When he said that, I'm like, all right, well, that's that's the tagline of the meet, leaving a good taste in your mouth. Uh, and you know what? I've seen you in action. I've seen your debut as a meet director, and it was awesome. It was a fantastic meet, and I was extremely confident in you to put on a fantastic meet because I know how you are as a person. I know yeah, how I you like are. I would like to say solo debut. So, yeah, um, solo. I kind of had a little bit of an advantage. I've, I've co-directed and um, – Helped as much as possible at some of the yeah. biggest meets that have happened and also not some of the biggest meets that have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you're seasoned. You, you are seasoned. You, and I knew that going in, like this guy has, Garrett has the passion. He has surrounded himself with so many people in powerlifting where he knows what to do and what not to do. And there's going to be continued growth there. So I know it's going to be a great meet because I got to see one of your meets in action. And I know that, how you run a meet is going to be something that I am going to appreciate because I have that USAPL background. I like that structure, and I know you carry a lot of those same philosophies that a lot of the USAPL lifters cherish. So I'm excited for that. I'm really happy you're doing it, and really excited. I'm I'm just happy to see your progression as a power lifter, man. I'm just happy to see it because I met you three years ago, and you were a dick. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, no, frankly, I'm still a dick. I actually you are, really but bad. you toned it down just, a lot. Uh, just to like touch on me being a dick, uh, like, dude, today, uh, I like. <laughs> yeah, we didn't just. All right, story. Yeah, just tell us how you're being a dick, Derek. <laughs> Let's go. You know, I don't. I don't need to do that. Yeah, I'm just a dick. No, yeah. do it. No, I want to hear it now. Maybe I'll edit out. Maybe uh, I won't. Basically, I, I accidentally told. I didn't accidentally. I told just you know with my mouth just worked before my brain did. I told a really good dude that his photo editing sucked on his photos, like flat out. And it was like just super brash and I felt really bad about it. Um, but yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And um, I mean, I was, you know, earlier you had mentioned the, like uh, the, the trend t-shirts. Uh, I was like, kind of saying earlier, like, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> when I was a fucking 19 year old shit bag, I thought that shit was cool too. Yeah. And let me tell you guys, uh, it's just kind of not. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, I think uh, probably the first time I met you is where I got to, I mean, I got along with you pretty well, but I think the first time you might've been wearing that exact shirt. So that was, I was just kind of, I wore it ironically, if I'm telling the truth. I, oh, I wore everyone it ironically. Did. Yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone still does. But also you did another thing today that could be perceived as dickish. You told Weez not to talk in videos anymore. And I agree with you. I don't think he could ever speak in videos ever again. I closed my eyes and I thought it was a YouTube channel where a kid opened toys. <laughs> Is that because he's always squinting? 
Or is it? He's always he always I mean, has his hands. Regardless of the squinting, I didn't even my eyes were closed. I didn't know. He always I mean, does he this thing. Either, he, he always does this thing where he's like touching his face and squinting. I don't know if it's just because he's his age or it's like it's a, a thing. He's a refined. He's a refined teenager, Angelo. Yeah, but I think you were spot on with that one. Um, yeah, and that's what, what you get, Weez, for fucking kicking me off your IG live. I'm going to make fun of you on the show for every episode going forward until you appear on it. So, so as my opportunity to segue, um, one thing that I love that you're doing that is also kind of like, cre- I mean, it is very creative, is the lifter ratings. Mm. I freaking love those. Uh, somebody did make a funny... <laughs> kind of like comment about it i don't even know who it was in that like why why is angelo taking something that is literally objective and making it subjective and i was like that i mean that's a good point but i think it's still cool yeah because why that's what i love i mean that's sports media man that's what that's what you got to do in order to get people talking you got to make something objective and make it subjective i love it i love i my goal for a lot of posts is to see how many people like are going to argue with each other like, like yeah. with the, the two white lights topic of the week, very simple question, right? What factors would lead USAPL to go to USPA? And we got an argument between USPA and USAPL. It turned into a massive pissing contest between both of them. It was awesome. Being provocative is required to be a good media source. And did I do anything provocative? Did I say like, hey, what makes you want to leave the USAPL to go to this shit fucking no, federation the, the, with the, a bunch the, of steroid users? I didn't say that. Everyone took it that way. But the question in and of itself is still provocative. Oh, you, yeah. you know, you know that the, the, the differences between the two feds, the difference in the lifters and the feds, how they think about the other feds. I mean, let's think about this dude. Each fed thinks other fed, the other fed is like the devil. Yeah. They, how you can't both like you, you both think that like, let's be reasonable people here. Like, let's think for a second. There are pros and cons to both ends of, of this slinky. Okay. All right. Well, well, let me, let me, all right. So I got you guys both here. So, and this is going to be interesting because this is my way of citing one, if people have watched sports in their lives and two, if they ever played Madden football in their lives or NCAA football. You two, give me your lifter ratings going on 1 to 100, squat, bench, and deadlift, and whatever. The overall, we could do it on our calculators. Pretty easy math. But in order to get that, we got to go squat, bench, and deadlift. And it's going to be some different answers here because Garrett is comparing himself to people that Sean isn't comparing himself to. And for the ground rules, to give you guys a little bit of a – because I explained it to Chance, let's do it within your weight class and within your division. Because once we start going overall, it gets way too messy. Yeah, and kinda, my my original thought when I saw it was that it was in within weight classes. You, I, you yeah. can't do it out of weight classes. Yeah, That's but people ask that question like, wait, all time? Like, no, shut up. Like, in within your weight class, guys. <laughs> within your weight class. I so agree. let's start with uh, Garrett here. Okay, so within my weight class, um, and for um, – I didn't necessarily take the division into account, um, but I did double-check those numbers, and because – they were just so close for the most part. I came up with just kind of an overall. So I gave my squat a, a 96 out of 100. Okay. Um, reason being my um, squat all time as a, as a junior at the 198 pound weight class. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, for like the year was number one. And all time it was like tied. It was like number 26, which came out to a tie for number 17. 
all time of all the competitors in my weight class. Okay. Side note, I was also the tallest person in that top 26 list, okay. which I think you just kind, kind of, of plays a tiny, just a tiny. You kind of upset me with that, but continue. <laughs> uh, okay. So I get my squad of 96. Um, I gave my bench a 79. Um, overall amongst my entire weight class in full power competitors, um, I had the number without obviously checking for ties, the number 412 bench. Um, and you know, I wasn't super proud of that, but whatever. Uh, and then deadlift, I gave myself a 99, um, reason being all time. I have the number tied out for, I think number eight deadlift at 198. Uh, and then my overall total. Uh, ties out for number 11 at 198. So I, my overall rating is a, a 91. I will clarify before Sean does his rating, I do think he's a better and stronger lifter than I am. So uh, overall, like regardless of federation, whatever, he's got a higher um, will uh, coefficient score at a lower weight class. He's done it with what are perceived as, you know, stricter standards. And uh, he also, his total is literally like 25 pounds under mine. And I'm a weight class higher uh, in a non-tested federation. So, But you're going based on what you got. And that is yes. within your division. So, I'm, I so mean, I really don't have a lot of argument there. But, so to recap, to recap, 96 squat, 79 bench, 99 deadlift, and a 91 overall. Okay. Now, can I, before we get Sean's answers for his ratings for himself, since you're my coach, do you agree with what I said or not? You're not going to like my answer. I wouldn't rate you that high. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Hey, I want the honest I answer. So, I don't, I, I mean, I didn't, I, personally, I didn't do the, the research on, on your placement the way that you did. So, I can't. You know, you you've done some research where you can very much come back at me and say, "Well, I actually looked into this and you didn't, so fuck you." Um, but just based on the numbers that you gave me and where you placed, I just don't know if they line up with your, you know, the 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 number rating that you gave them. Like, I don't think a ninety, what was it, ninety six for squat? Yep, I would say I mean, like I an eighty nine. The reason, good. The fuck you with that, that face. Like, you guys can't see the face Garrett's making. That's a good number, eighty-nine. Very good. Yeah. If you play, that's, that's if you play a, man in football, you got an eighty-nine. You're fantastic at that one thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Garrett, if you've played any of those like sports games, whether it was Madden or you know two K or yes, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I, I I think that the numbers are a little inflated there. Um, that's fair. Like, I, I see like, what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Because, like, here's the thing with, with my end. It's that on the drug-tested side, there really are no long-standing records. So, like, the references that I have in my head for ranking myself kind of are all-time because the sport's only been getting better, whereas, like, the, the untested side really has some freaks whose numbers have not fallen. Um, so, like, when you give me your ranking, right, and you're saying, like, oh, I was number, I think, 17 for this lift, I'm like, yeah, that's not high 90s. You know what I mean? Uh, because I think you were going off of like what was done within the year. So I'm just being harsh. Uh, no, no, I was going off of all time. I was going no, I off of all so, time. Well, yeah, and also I, in, in fairness, like within the year is a pretty fair one. I would say I would probably encourage lifters to do within the year because that's how other ratings how, work. How it's within the year. Like, 
it's 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 different for like if you look at uh, certain players it will differ from madden 2020 to 2021 i mean madden drops ratings if someone's injured yeah hey (laughs) (laughs) do we need to put the little like that little like medical plus sign on his ratings Yeah. Uh, Steve, I, man, I like you as of right now. All right. <laughs> I think I think my rankings for myself are a bit more more honest. Although I again did not uh, I did not do as much research. I'm just going off of what I know to be um, the standings as they are now. But I would give myself on squat in '89. Um, as of right now, obviously the the top squats in in my weight class I think are. You know, Russ with with his 691 or whatever it might have been. And there are a considerable number of of 650s and above. Um, I would have given myself a little bit of a higher rating on squat, but my 650 done in comp was two years ago and since have not uh, eclipsed that. So I I hold firm on my 89 there. Um, Bench press, I'd give myself a 98. Uh, As of right now, there are only two lifters. Um who bench more than me in my weight class in the IPF overall. Um, one of whom is, you know, Brett Gibbs, who recently had surgery and probably won't be uh, back in peak shape in the foreseeable future. Um, and then deadlift, I would say 95. That's my answer. 94, 95, which would put the overall, I think uh, that would be a 90, 94, 94, 94. I think I might've been, yeah. What do you, what do you think, Eric? For Sean? Yeah, because you gave me a little bit of a body gesture there. Um, no, I would agree with Sean's numbers for himself. I would agree with that. I, my body gesture was in reference to um, oh. my, uh, talking about the years. Uh, and that on 2020, I had the number four overall total, the number seven overall deadlift. Oh, wait, this isn't set for full power. Okay, there we go. Sorry about that. I had the number four overall total, the number five overall deadlift, the number seven overall squat and the, sorry, I have to actually type in my name to search this one, the number 49 <laughs> overall bench. So okay. even given that respect, I do think that uh, 96, 79, and, uh, you know, for sake of saying, you know, 99, you'd have to be the best. I would say my deadlift would then be a, a 97, which puts my overall still at, uh, I believe, 91 or 90. Okay. I, I, I think that's fair. I think the difference, right, is that the the way that they do it in sports games is every year. So that 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 statement is is valid. Um but obviously I guess when when I'm thinking about my rating, right, like the all time for the for mo- the most part is you know, comprising current lifters. Yeah. Right? Like that just that's just how it is on the tested side. So I guess that makes sense. Um, you know. To, to so for a year like that for so, sean for I'd, sean in 2020 number four and this is a going purely off of the usapl um he had the number four squat which i think with that would be fair to give sean uh like a 97 with bench he had the number one so i think that would be fair to give him a 99 and then for the deadlift he was number two so i think that's fair to only behind angelo so I think it's fair to give him a 98 there. And then by total, he was also number one. So I think a 97, 99, 98 averaging out at, I believe a 98 is perfectly fair in my opinion. 
Oh yeah, for the upcoming Two White Lights video game, I think if we're based off 2020, Sean right now is the best 83 based on what he's done in 2020. But I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think I had you like two notches below on almost everything on the overall. I think I get I, you get 94, right? Me? Yes. yes. Yeah, I think I was 92 with you. Which, if you want to argue, wait, with, wait a minute. What were you with me? Probably like an 88, 87. I mean, if you were... But if we we were going to go based on... But then we're going in those criteria, right? If we're going based on USPA and the federations you competed in, you would be much higher. Then if you take it certain years, you would be much higher on that too. So, yeah, I would... Because... And I think I gave myself... I think I'm at like an 83. I think I gave myself an 83 overall, which I think is fair. Like... Based on what you're rating, like Sean is ranked considerably above me, so 92 to 83 is fair, and Garrett ranked a little bit above me, so like 88 to 83 makes sense. So yeah, I like your ratings, and I cannot wait to put this on two white lights, especially Garrett's, and see all the hate that it gets because it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely use mine because then we're just going to see shit hit the fan for people who hate Sean, and I'm excited for that. Well, both of you guys. I mean, both of it. It's gonna happen. We're like, what fucking Garrett? Garrett at a, You put him at a ninety-one. It's gonna be fantastic. And then Sean, you can't comment anything on Two White Lights without people getting pissed off. So your very presence on Two White Lights page is just like, hey, how can we I, argue with Sean for no reason? I also think you could probably add some more criteria to these ratings, such oh, as yeah. like, such as like, like something that's relative to like the competitive history. You know, attempts, how many attempts have they hit in contest? Yeah. Um, those types of things. Because, uh, bro, I'm like, give me a 91. I'm literally one of the worst powerlifters in terms of actually executing the act of powerlifting at the top level. I was going to put meat execution as a criteria. We're still in our beta stages with the ratings. So I was going to put uh, meat execution or lift execution on there. And that and will, like, that sure. will and knock like, you down. And I actually, to put myself. To, to, to give myself a little pat on the back, I think I rank higher in that. Like, as far as meets go, I execute my lifts pretty well, and that might help my overall just a bit. So, yeah, I agree. Injury Steve, proneness as well. I was ratings. I've also thought about, actually, Chance messaged me today, and we were talking about this. Because it was good to kind of Chance is an 89. I, was, I thought that was a good rating, because we have to think about, like, all the people that are going to come on the podcast. And if we just put, like, Sean, if we just put you at 99, well, then how do we rate other people that come on that might be comparable? So I like, even without even hearing your ratings, I was already thinking Sean at 94-ish, and then Garrett somewhere in the 88 to 91 range. All right. So I thought that was fair in the sense of how I'm thinking about other competitors and who could be rated below or rated above, and so that we have that leeway to be able to do it. Do you know what I want to do more than anything? I want to make one without Austin Perkins or Ashton Roscoe's permission and see... If I put them at an 85, see how mad they would get within <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Just put it on my page and see how angry they would get because I know that would drive them up the wall. So I, I might, just I might see have to Austin already clapping emoji. These fools, <laughs> laughing face, sleeping on me. Z z z. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might just do it because he was immediately in the comments like, "You should do these for all lifters." Like, all right, Perk, I'll get to you. I'll get to you, dude. <laughs> I'll get you on the show and we can do it. Take it easy. <laughs> I just did it yesterday. Give me yeah, this, 
give me give me more than like three hours at least. You didn't let the post breathe a little bit, but nope. you'll get you'll get one perk. It'll be good. It'll be fantastic. You're a great lifter. I have to tell you that, perk. You're awesome. You're good. You're, you're one of the best. That's such a funny ongoing meme about him being slept on when he's like just one of the most impressive lifters just in the world. Period. I know. Like, how do you squat three hundred at like one sixty? Like what the fuck? <laughs> Everything he does is amazing, and everyone acknowledges how amazing it is. So many people acknowledge it. Aside from, I mean, I guess that keeps him motivated, right? Like that's that uh, that's that competitive edge that people have. That you know, uh, they always want to be better, and they always want to be better what people perceive them to be. But it is very funny when he goes on social media and says, "All right, people are sleeping on me." It's like, dude, everyone acknowledges you as one of the best lifters in the world. Yeah. You're fine, man. I'm excited. I'm very excited for that matchup, Pug and Atwood. Oh, because, yeah. Because the thing is, like, you know, I, I definitely, over the past couple of years, have become more of an Atwood fan. Not for anything personal, but there were newer lifters who would come up, and I'd be like, oh, this person's going to beat him for sure. Or this person's time is coming. And it just never happened, right? Like, Atwood just continued to prove everybody wrong. But the thing about Austin, right, is that every meet he shows up, every meet he makes lifts, and it almost seems like, you know, you know, Taylor and I are friends. Like I talked to Taylor, but it definitely seems like this year's nationals placement caught him a little bit off guard. Like it definitely caught everybody off guard, yeah. but it seemed like he wasn't like in the, you know, full force with training such that now they have to accelerate things. And again, you know, he always finds a way to show up. Um, but I mean, Austin is, is right there where if like, you know, it just wasn't enough time, you know, he doesn't have to cut. He makes lifts. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah, if we could do a player another one of these comparisons that two white lights love to do, player to lifter comparison. Atwood I think is at that Tom Brady level where so many people were already casting him off because a few injuries here in the beginning of twenty twenty and then he drops a nuke on everyone and just surpasses all the goals that people set for him. And that was 800 kilos, and he completely just blew right through that. So I think he's he's close to Tom Brady in the sense that uh, age is probably going to catch up to him, but it's not right now because he just nuked people. Since you brought up Tom Brady, can we bring up that stupid fucking poll from earlier today that most people voted that three gold medals in weightlifting is more impressive than seven Super Bowl rings? My man's got opinions! I thought that was a horrible... I, well, I mean, it's not the fault of the poller. It's the fault of the, those who answered the poll. Like, there are, like, well over 100 Olympic athletes who have more than three gold medals. It was bad. Nobody else has seven Super Bowl rings. It was bad on in, even individual sport levels, right? Because then they started bringing up Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, all the people who are in individual sports, like, mm-hmm. who do... I mean, no, no, no disrespect to people with gold medals, but... Yeah, that was I mean, not... I think that, What's that? I think that does kind of become a fault of the the polar, the person asking the question, because even thinking those things are comparable is uh, quite dense, Ryan. <laughs> he took some heat for that one, so I think he knows it's coming, that most people are just like DMing him like, I don't know if the comparison makes sense here, dude. There are plenty of people who have three Olympic gold medals who you have never heard of in your life. Ever. Yeah. And weightlifting specifically, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I think more comparisons can be made with that. But um, 
All right. Well, you know what? We've been cl talking close to two hours. Um, great show, gentlemen. Thank you for coming on. Uh, good luck to Mr. Noriega, who's going to be competing soon. We're going to do a breakdown of the Texas Strength Classic coming up because it's got a primetime session. You know Steve and I love primetime sessions. We love covering them. And it's easy to cover, too. And, of course, we got Garrett Fear with his meet coming up um, in lieu of Raw Nationals. And it's going to make a lot of lifters happy. And regardless of what happens, that would be another meet I would love to cover. Love that. Love to hear that, man. Thank you. All yeah, right. I already have lifters planning on signing up. So. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> yeah, so I know, and, and I've seen a lot of uh, lifters already expressing interest. So right now, already creating the interest. Going to be a great meet. Um, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.